Hey friends, welcome to the Life with Chris and Tatum podcast, where each week we'll talk about practical and relevant topics to help you live a life of freedom and purpose. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, please visit lifefellowship.tv. And now let's tune in with Chris and Tatum. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Life with Chris and Tatum. We are pumped that you're joining us today. Thanks for listening. We want to invite you every week to join us. We release a new podcast every Wednesday. And we would love to just invite you to hit subscribe wherever you are consuming the content. Do it now. Come on, do it now. I double dog dare you with the cherry on top. Come on, do it we now. We also just want to say thank you. There are so many of you that are sharing our podcast on social media and just inviting your um, your friends and your family to, to join in and listen. So thanks for helping us spread the word. We um, count it a real honor uh, to be a part of your life and to have this time every week that we get to spend with you. So... Thanks. Yeah, we do. We we count it a, a great honor. And today, um, today is a part of the week that changed the world. It's the week that Jesus went into Jerusalem. We just celebrated a few days ago Palm Sunday, and uh, here uh, in the Christian calendar, uh, in just two days, uh, is the day that the Lord. Uh, went to the cross. It's what I say, uh, Good Friday, a good day for us, worst day ever for him. And um, But before that, the cross experience happened, he was with his disciples for the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, uh, that happened on that Thursday. And so I, I wanted to kind of, you know, prepare us for that, mm-hmm. um, because on Friday, we're going to be having all kinds of uh, and I almost want to call it a service experience because it's going to be very experiential, our Good Friday uh, experiences, and then it leads into Easter. But I want to kind of focus on one of the events that happened on that Thursday night, okay? And so I want to just kind of jump in, into this, and so hopefully you're going to maybe learn some things out of this, uh, be inspired by really... Um, the example of the Lord and yeah. what He did on that on that Thursday, but let me just to, to to build some context, and then we can dialogue a little bit on this this honey. But um, the Lord had just finished up having the Last Supper with His disciples. He had looked at Judas and said, "What you do, go do it quickly." So Judas left that uh, that dinner to go betray Jesus for mm. thirty pieces of, of silver. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine that, just 30 pieces of silver to betray the Lord. Uh, and Jesus selected three people, Peter, James, and John, to go with him into the Garden of Gethsemane. And we've been there. Yeah, we have. It's beautiful. It's right outside the the walls of Jerusalem on this beautiful hillside. Um, and he was there that night praying. And that's where he said, Lord, if it's, you know, if, if there's any opportunity for this cup to be passed from me. Yeah. And do it. And he finally said, Lord, not my will, but your will yeah, be, be done. done. Mm-hmm. And this is where he also found the disciples sleeping. He's like, come on, guys, can't you stay with me? Yeah, The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And uh, it was at this point that Judas showed up with 600 soldiers. Mm-hmm. 
crazy. In the garden, yeah, in where garden. Jesus was at, yeah. And um, and it was at that point, there was a, something that happened that I want to focus in on, because when these 600 guys showed up, Peter took out a sword and he cut off a guy's ear. Yeah. The man who came to arrest Jesus or take him, right? Yeah. They, so I, I, I read this interesting story. In fact, uh, I put it here in our notes. I, I want you to read it, honey. At the end of World War II, when the Americans moved on Berlin, a couple of German soldiers failed to respond to the instructions given to them in German. Upon closer inspection, it was discovered that they were not German at all, but they were from Tibet. When an interpreter was found, they told how completely unaware of the war going on, they simply wanted to take a journey, and they crossed the border into Russia. There they were picked up by Russian military men and immediately drafted into the Russian army. A short time later, scared and confused, they were captured by Nazis and taken to a Russian prisoner of war camp. Until in desperate need of manpower, they were then sent to work on the supply lines where they were eventually captured by American forces. Okay, now watch this. Amazing, said the interpreter after hearing the story. Do you have any questions? And these two men from Tibet, they said, just one, just one question. What's everyone fighting about? Okay, so I think that the Lord sometimes would ask us the same question. So like, like Peter, we are so quick to whip out our swords and mm -hmm. start swinging away. Mm -hmm. And we're doing it at our spouses, our friends, our family members, coworkers, a boss, you know, like we dealt with last week, you know, the jerks in our lives, yeah. enemies. And I, I want us here to think about the ways in which Peter's passion and zeal was misdirected. So on that night, when he pulled out that sword and lopped off that guy's ear, yeah. uh, four things I want us to think about. And here's the first thing. Peter was actually fighting the wrong enemy. Think about this. The soldiers marching behind Judas were armed and ready for war if necessary. They didn't, they didn't know what to expect. And when they showed up, all they found was four people. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Peter, James, and John. But when Peter... Peter was the one that he drew his sword, and he didn't take on the 600 armed soldiers. No, he went for one of the servants who was most likely unarmed and defenseless. Mm -hmm. So watch this. In his, in his zeal to protect the Lord, Peter went after perhaps the weakest person in the place. And I think that we do that all the time. I think that we're fighting the wrong enemy. Yeah. So the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, it says that we don't wrestle, we don't fight against flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, which means this, that when I'm fighting a person, I'm actually fighting the wrong enemy. It's just like Peter. Listen, we need to, to wage war, to draw our swords, to release our faith, to express our hearts, not against people, but against our spiritual enemy mm -hmm. who is victimizing mm -hmm. people all around us. So you're not fighting. Hey, everybody, your battle is not natural. It's spiritual. Yeah. It's Can, spiritual. It's absolutely. 
I was going to say it. It can be so hard sometimes to see this when you're in an actual fight or a battle against someone. But we have to remind ourselves that what we're, who we're actually standing against is not that person as our enemy, but it's a spiritual battle, battle that's so much deeper than what we see with our natural eyes. There's a war at stake that's happening in the spirit realm that we have to be aware of or we can't win the battle. We're just trying to defeat the person <laughs> instead of the, you know, the, the, the spiritual attack. Listen, it's not just against you and your, you know, your professor at college. It's not natural. They're spiritual. Yeah. It's not just you against your your kids, your kids, yeah. your husband, yeah. your your wife, your neighbor. If you think it's just about them, you're gonna fight that person and you're gonna lose the war. You're 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 fighting the wrong battle. And this is exactly what Peter did on that night. He was fighting the wrong battle. Yeah. Uh, Henry uh, Longfellow said this, and I so agree with him. He said, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, we would find sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. Wow. So our, our attack needs to be level-headed, but not against people. Against your, it, it needs to be against our spiritual enemy through prayer. And that's where the true battle is won. Yeah. And that's what the Lord modeled for us in the garden. Yeah. I mean, that's what he did. He wasn't battling physically against these guys, he was battling in prayer to do the will of the Father, right? And that's what I think we have to ask ourselves when we're confronted with what we think is our natural enemy or situation before us is what is your will, God? What do you want done in this? I know what I feel like doing, what, how I'd like to respond, but I don't want to do what and I so want, And so we're swinging Lord. swords, yeah. and we're lopping off ears, <laughs> and we're attacking sometimes the weakest person of you know the, yeah. the, what looks like the enemy in our in our lives. And I think, like like Peter, we we are we we are attacking the wrong enemy. Yeah. Everybody, that that issue that you're going through right now, it's not natural. It's a whole lot more spiritual than you ever yes. realized possible. In fact, the Bible says that the spirit realm is more real than this physical realm. In fact, it's the spirit realm that created this natural realm that we're in. And so understand that. I mean, it's massively important. Here's the second thing that I see, and that's this. Peter used the wrong weapon. <laughs> so Peter uh, used a literal sword, but the sword we're to use is not the sword that cuts physically. Rather, it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, let me, let me say something about this, because we've got to be very careful in how, uh, how to use it, because so many people are careless, and they use the Word of God incorrectly. And, and here's why, because the Bible says that the Word of God is powerful and sharper than mm -hmm. any two-edged sword, and more times than it should happen, Here's what I've found. I mean, I've been doing this now for 23 years, okay? Full-time. And you've been with me for those years. Listen, Christians use the Bible to chomp on people mercilessly using certain scriptures or principles. And what I've discovered is like over these years, a lot of times they're using them out of mm -hmm. context. I, I can't tell you how many people I have counseled through the years who have been bloodied, battered, beaten up by the church or by other people and those people think that they can just tear them down yeah. 
because they have a verse that is totally out of context, but makes them feel good about using it in a certain way against their enemy. Do you know what I mean? Like just throwing it out to what mean what they think they want it to mean. But in fact, it's just, you forgot the second half of the verse <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's sad, but true. Yeah, I mean, let's it, not, yeah. Let's, that's the fighting the wrong way. Just swinging a, a sword that's not ours to swing. Let's. And it's powerful. The Bible says. Yeah. It's sharp. I mean, it's God's word. So interesting enough, James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, gives us this incredibly simple test to know whether or not a word that is given is actually really from the Lord. And you can, everybody, you can read it for yourself. James 3, verse 17. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Think about that. It, is that what's being shared uh, with you? I mean, is it pure? Is it peaceable? Is it without hassle and hypocrisy? Or does it cause confusion, strife, and, te- and tension? Everybody, before you pull out, pull out your sword and you start chopping at somebody and going, well, the Bible says this and you need to stop this, uh, make sure that it's done with James chapter 3, verse 17 in mind. Yeah. Because you may be using the wrong weapon or you're using it in the wrong way. Okay, here's the third Good. thing. Peter harbored the wrong attitude. Mm. And this is powerful to me. So think about this. After agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus chose to submit to the will of his Father. And this means that at this point, he had already decided to Mm -hmm. allow these enemies Mm -hmm. that were coming to arrest him. Yeah, yeah, he had already submitted to it. He'd already said, okay, they can arrest me. I'm allowing them to crucify uh, crucify me. Yet even as Jesus was submitting, Peter was fighting. Yeah. Isn't that a contrast? Yeah. Peter was completely out of harmony with the mind and the will of God. He... He was fighting with the wrong attitude. He was harboring the wrong attitude. And how many times do we do that? Do we, do we fight back? That's so true. When what really should be happening is the Jesus is trying to do one thing in our life. And instead of going with him, walking like in the same direction as the Lord, we're trying to fight against it. That's what Peter was doing. Jesus is like, I, sub- I surrender. I'm submitting. This is the will of God for my life tonight. I'm going to the cross. And Peter's swinging swords and cutting people's ears off. Yeah, and that wrong attitude. I mean, I remember when my parents uh, left Wisconsin and they moved to Memphis to, to begin to pastor uh, the church there. I remember I had a wrong attitude. And you were I, a teenager, right? Uh, yeah, nineteen twenty. Um, so I mean, a young adult, I mean, I was, you know, in that age and I I remember I had the wrong attitude. And so instead of understanding that God was wanting to do something special in my life and, you know, what God's going to do through my mom and dad at the church there, and mm-hmm. even you and I, you know, finding- The Lord was trying to finding, lead you to me. I know. You were having a bad love, attitude. You know? <laughs> and all of that. I mean, we would have never experienced all that we're experiencing and what God's doing here at Life Fellowship and all that. 
had not that transition happened. But I was fighting it. And I had a bad attitude. And there was times, you know, I'd be pulling that sword out, trying to lop off people's ears with, in, you know, not the most literal sense, but like. Let's hope not. Yeah. But I mean, I had the wrong attitude. The attitude, yeah. And so instead of submitting to what God was wanting to do, I was fighting, just Mm -hmm. like Peter. I mean, I was completely out of harmony to the mind and the will of Christ Mm -hmm. in the middle of of everything. And finally, when I surrendered to it all, I began to see, my goodness, God's hand was upon all this. And wow, I need to be in line with what God has. I mean, think about King David. Do you know the story when he was fleeing from his son Absalom? I know it, yes. So in case you don't know, his son Absalom... uh, incited a rebellion against yeah, his father. Yeah, was just fighting against him. And uh, and actually kicked King David out of Jerusalem. So King David now is the defeated king. He's on his way out of Jerusalem. And there was this guy, I, there's a statement my dad would make all the time. He said, did, did your dad ever say this? Dad would call, he would say, Chris, you're a little pipsqueak. I'm going to take you out. That word, pips. Yeah, pips. Yeah, my dad said that too. That must have been a yeah. term from the 60s or something. Well, I'm going to use the same thing. So there's right. this little pip squeak and. and uh, shimmy? Yeah, shimmy. Shimmy, shimmy. His pip squeak named Shimmy. Okay. And this guy actually started throwing rocks and dirt at King David while he was on his horse and saying, You're a horrible king. And. This, I mean, because you're such a horrible king, this is why you, you've lost your kingdom. So one of David's mightiest men, one mm-hmm. of his incredible warriors heard this and said to King David, hey, give me permission. I'm going to go cut that guy's head off. But wow. King David, he would not allow it. Instead, David said, hey, the Lord is allowing this guy to say these words to me. Hmm. See, David was recognizing that God was using this guy to do a deep work of humility within him. And in the same way, Jesus said, hey, put away your sword, Peter. Your attitude is all wrong. There's something so much bigger happening all around you than you can see right now. Yeah. Just put it away. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus surrendered to the process, and three days later, I mean, we know the story. He emerged victorious, and he purchased our salvation, but he he had the wrong... Wrong attitude. Here's the fourth thing. Peter fought for the wrong reason. So the reason that Peter drew his sword was to protect Jesus from the 600 soldiers standing in front of him. Right. That's what he did. But think of Do you think that the Lord needs... (laughs) Peter to protect him? Did Jesus really need that? So let me ask you, do you think that the Lord has called you to protect him? I think it's quite the opposite. <laughs> no, he's, he's actually called you to, do you, let me, let me say, do, do you think that he's called you to straighten out that wrong situation in your own energy? Well, you know, I mean, you're, you're thinking, you know, what, what she did was wrong. And so we get upset. Therefore, I got to stand up for the Lord. And maybe... Maybe, maybe the Lord's directing you to, to confront some things, but make sure it really is the Lord directing yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, Peter was trying to demonstrate his sincerity, his willingness to take a stand for Jesus. But maybe he was thinking, you know, 
I told you I, I, I would not deny, deny you. And Lord, watch this. Could be. I think we're all tempted to do that. One of the most incredible things about being a Christian is the fact that the Lord is the judge, which leaves us with the opportunity to simply love others. So, so we're to love, to forgive, to encourage people. And yes, there's times for encouragement, but only if it's surrounded by love. There's times for correction, only if it's done in love. The same thing. So if the Lord chooses to use you to bring correction to somebody's life, it's not going to be with a, a sword that's you know flinging around uh, randomly, but as a skilled surgeon. And so as we approach uh, this Good Friday and this uh, Easter weekend, just remember Peter, you know, and remember to, to put that sword away and to remember that, number one, Peter was fighting the wrong enemy. Don't do that. Number two, he was using the wrong weapon. Yeah. Or he was using the weapon incorrectly. Number three, he was harboring a wrong attitude. And number four, Peter was fighting for the wrong reasons. We need to fight for love. And we need to know that, the, let the Lord deal with that individual. Let the Lord do something in them. And I think it's massively important uh, that we live our lives just like this. Amen? Amen. That's good, babe. Uh, I do have one... Um, mailbag question for today as we approach our Easter weekend. All right. I'm interested to hear what you're saying. Okay. Well, here's the mailbag question. It comes from one of our listeners, and they said, what are some of your Easter traditions that you have in the Limburg family? Is that so? You know, it's interesting that we got this question because just the other night, uh, we were having a discussion with our we daughter, We just Blakely. talked about this. It is. That's crazy. Just the other night. We were talking about some of the uh, traditions well, that we've had. Well, she had, had some and of we... her friends over at our house, and so we were saying, yeah, what are some traditions that you guys have done? And then the question was posed to Chris and I as well. What do the Lindberghs do? And it's funny to hear it through the through the uh, words of our children versus what we see it as uh, in the memory of us as parents, what our traditions have been. But let's talk about some of them. Um, traditions. So... We have always, um, we've always been big on tradition in our family. We've always done things around the Easter time and Christmas time and what have you. But one of the things that we've we've done when our kids were smaller is that we would we would take those little Easter eggs and we would hide them around. I would do that when they were younger. I'd hide them around the yard. If it was raining outside, we would do it. We would do it indoors. Uh, another thing that we would do is at Tatum, you would always go get uh, little Easter outfits for for the kids. You were always good at that. You were always good at making sure that the day felt special. So that way it's not just another day that we come to church. It's the Super Bowl of the Christian world. It's the biggest day. It's the day, it's, it's the day that changed our lives. And so you made sure that the kids understood that, hey, we're going to dress up and we're going we're gonna to actually treat this day a little bit... A little bit, more special. Yes, a lot more special. Yeah. And then um, we would always uh, make sure that we took a little family picture together just to 
Um, Commemorate the day. We always did Easter baskets at our house. That was my next one. We put together little Easter always baskets. Always got a few little treats. What else did we do, babe? Well, when I became a senior pastor, when when we, again, we don't have family that lives here in Dallas. So we would always uh, rest on the kindness of other people to invite us to come and do something. So it, had it not been for others, many of those Easter's, we would have been just by ourselves. Yeah. And so if you are... Uh, if you have the capacity, why don't you find some people that maybe they don't have any family around during Easter? Start and, a new Easter and tradition. invite them over. But yeah. now that as we're uh, we're lead pastors, we actually after all of the services and all of the work that our staff puts in, we invite them over to our house and we cater in some food and we just let them. We hang out. We have fun. Like relax. Easter, yeah, it's just. And some of the staff are falling asleep because they're exhausted. <laughs> After uh, all of the work and effort, play, which is so worth it, we eat. The guys go play some pool, and we'll do some uh, hold the baby bocce ball, or I we drink know. coffee, and just we just relax as and we and we eat good. But the last thing that we do every and it, again, this goes without saying for us, especially in ministry, is that we're in church. Absolutely. What would Easter Sunday be without being in church uh, celebrating? I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's Dorman, I don't care. I'm going to be in the house of God on Easter, and I'm going to I'm going to give thanks, and I'm going to remember what our great Lord has done for us. So those are our traditions. Love to hear what yours are. In fact, I actually asked my daughter. I said, "Now, Blakely, these are ours. What are some traditions that you are going to put into your marriage someday with your kids and your family?" And so she's still what thinking about like it. So Blakely, if you're listening to this, I'll be. <laughs> Curious to find out what those traditions are. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, everybody, um, it's going to be a beautiful, uh, beautiful weekend. We, we hope whether you are in the Dallas area or elsewhere, make sure that you are part of a local church and attend services. Celebrate Easter. Yeah, remember on Good Friday and then celebrate our risen Savior and King. Well, hey, everybody, we love you. God bless you. Thanks for the opportunity again this week to speak into your life. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.